0: Welcome to Probate Weekly. I'm Bill Gross, the LA Probate Expert, and this is our Probate Weekly live cast. We do it every week on Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern, but today we do it 6 p.m. Central Time. Special guest coming to us from the great state of Texas. We have a probate attorney who really does business, knows her stuff, I've interviewed her before, as well as her um, partner in crime or partner in law, I guess I should say, uh, Lena Severa. Lena, welcome uh, to our call today.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: So, Lena, give us a little background. Where'd you grow up, and then how'd you end up in probate, the probate field in Houston, Texas?
1: So, I am originally from Buffalo, New York, upstate New York, um, and I moved down to Florida, where I went to law school. Um, met my husband in Florida, so he's from Texas, so he forced me to come here, and um, I end up liking it. I, I do like Texas. It's, it's different from what we used to, but. Um, but really, um, I, I originally didn't want to do probate. I actually originally wanted to do immigration. And then um, I, I started testing out the waters with probate and estate planning and I ended up loving it.
0: Wow, so from Buffalo, New York, Bill's fan?
1: Oh yeah, 100%.
0: Everybody, everybody from Buffalo is so intense, a Bill's fan.
1: Oh yeah, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna get it this year. <laughs>
0: Whew, okay, well, look, things look good. Josh Allen looks like he's something special. And, then you, to, where, and then you went to Florida. Where'd you go to law school in Florida? Uh, Florida Coastal Coastal, and so he drags you to Texas and here you are in law and you're partnered with um um Bo Bowen right
1: yes uh not partner yet but um uh, oh. shortly hopefully I will be partner.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm at partners and working together I didn't mean to get into the legal oh, yeah. aspect I mean, sorry about that
1: partner in crime yeah I mean we are we work together very well so
0: got it so let's talk about probably a little bit of you know there, there I know there's a spectrum here and we have real estate agents around the country there's a spectrum of probate from kind of the rough and tumble, um, um, low income, desperate, and then there's kind of more regular probate administration, and there's litigation, and there's estate planning to avoid probate. Where in that parameter do you work or do you work all those parts?
1: I work all those parts. So I get everything from your basic simple probate of a will, you know, no contest, uh, executor named in the will, very straightforward to, um, you know, an heirship proceeding where, you know, there's unknown heirs and we're searching everywhere for it to um, highly contested. One person is claiming that um, it's a forged will. So I mean, I deal with everything.
0: So do you actually do when there is litigation, the objections and discovery and the trial and that part of it?
1: I do. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep.
0: And I and personally, I would think that makes you a better, uh, more effective attorney, because if you see what the effective mistakes are, then you're going to seek to avoid those problems when you write documents on the planning side, Now,
1: oh, Yeah, of course. And um, like I said, we, we see I see a lot of wills that were done, not by me, but from other attorneys that were just, I'm actually dealing with one right now. It was written horribly. And uh, ended up, the attorney ended up messing something up because of it, um, it had the, uh, the client do an executor's deed to someone that it shouldn't have been to just because of the language of the will, that was very unclear. So yeah, I mean, that just shows me that for my estate planning, you know, to make sure to make everything very clear cut and clear, because honestly, the best wills are the basic wills. A lot of people think that, you know, you want to have 20 page wills, but really the best ones are the short four to five pages. That's it.
0: So quick inventory. Have you seen the movie Body Heat?
1: I haven't. So that's mm-hmm.
0: about a will in Florida and I'm sure the laws are different from state to state, but about whether or not it's witnessed properly and if not witnessed properly intestate and, and what that means. It's a whole, mm-hmm. it's like a murder mystery centered oh, on a kind of probate you might find interesting. And my cousin Vinny. Yeah,
1: I have seen that
0: one. Yeah. I think that's required to get your bar license in most states, isn't it?
1: Yeah. So at um, my school, my, uh, my professor for... Um, one of my classes for evidence, he told us all to watch it so that's when I watched it, it was
0: school. So how realistic do you think it is in, obviously it's a comedy, but how realistic is it as far as the issues of um, the kind of the the feeling in court. Uh, hold on one second here. The feeling in court and um, the you know the judge being in control of things do you find that to be you know, obviously it's exaggerated, do you think it's accurate worthwhile for people to watch your attorneys.
1: For sure. I mean, I think it's um, definitely one of the, at least in my opinion, movies that does depict, you know, the legal process. But I mean, of course, it's it's exaggerated. I mean, as all movies are.
0: Yeah, I, I really recommend all the agents who you know people who have, have been to court and wondered what it's like. Not that it's like that, but it's not that unlike that. That's what makes it a comedy, right? Right. Right. Okay. So um, um, good. We got that out of the way. So let's talk about um are you familiar with the laws of probate and estate planning in texas versus other states and are you aware of any different the differences between them or is your business exclusively texas
1: it's exclusively texas i mean i've seen um, of course we do get wills sometimes um, from other states and we can probate here in texas all we have to do is just make sure that the will meets the requirements of the will in that state. So we would just have to, you know, show the judge the statute and show that it does meet the requirements. But aside from that, I, I don't really know too much. Um, I just know Texas.
0: And so if people own property in other states, though, then you have to what, refer it out to an attorney to do a separate probate there for that property? Or do you get involved in that at all?
1: Yeah, so I don't know how it works in other states. But I know in Texas, um, If someone let's just say their principal state is somewhere else, um, but then they have property in Texas, we can do um, an ancillary ancillary proceeding, which is basically just like a small, um, not a full blown probate, but you would basically transfer the will here and um, prove that they were appointed there and it's it's usually a, a pretty quicker process than a full blown probate.
0: So um, let's talk a bit about kind of the process because, um, you know, I think California is the most regulated, difficult, administrative, heavy uh, state as far as probate process. Some say the worst, so the most involved. And I think a lot of people have told me that Texas is one of the lighter states to work in. So, you know, if, if in a basic case of a husband and wife pass away and there's, let's say, only one heir, one child, what's the, what's the process for the property to pass from the parents to the child? Is it a probate if there's a will does a will avoid probate how does that work
1: so if there's a will then obviously it's whoever's named in the will but if there's no will then you would do an heirship and typically if you a spouse and a child it's just depending on if the child is from the from the is also the child of the surviving spouse then all the community property everything's going to go to the surviving spouse however If there's at least one child that's not a child of the surviving spouse, then it completely changes things. Um, So that would be where the surviving spouse only gets her share of the community property. That means if they own a house together, she only gets her 50% share and then the other 50% goes to the children. So it completely changes things if there is at least one child from outside marriage.
0: And I think when probate laws were written, that was a very small minority exception case. And today, I think it's probably the majority or the largest percentage, if if not overwhelming majority, right? Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, correct.
0: So, so to go back a second, so let's imagine that there's just one child from mom and dad. There's no no uh, will at all. How does the title get changed if I if they want to go sell the property? They don't need probate, but they just provide a death certificate, or is there an affidavit that they provide, or how do they actually you know go to go to title to get the, the, the title change from mom and dad and, and the right to sell the property?
1: So like I said, it, it depends on um, if we do a probate, cause so here you open up a probate where a need for administration. So that's gonna be like, aside from selling the property, you need to access bank accounts, stuff like that. Let's just say there's only a property and the person doesn't have a will and there's no other assets or no debts or nothing to actually administer. Then you could do what's called an affidavit of heirship, and that basically you would have uh, two disinterested witnesses, um, basically sign to the facts of who the heirs are, and then you would get that recorded with the county clerk, and then that should be enough to um, for them to sell the property.
0: Yeah, that's we do that in California for uh, small probates, like mm-hmm. bank accounts or, but we can't do that with real property. So that's a big difference yeah. uh, in, in 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 Texas also if you have a will in texas does that avoid probate or does that still have to go to court to be probated
1: it depends i mean i a will for me i always say have a will is your you know your backup but i mean there is ways to still avoid probate so that's going to be you know um having all your assets with designated beneficiaries so you know your 401k your life insurance even bank accounts you can have payable and death beneficiaries um Transfer on death deeds. That's where you can actually, you know, or a um, a ladybird deed, so you can actually transfer the your house um, to a beneficiary upon death. So if you get all that in place, you can avoid probate. Um, and your will is just going to basically be for your other little things that that don't really need to go through the probate court. You know, your personal okay. items, that that sort of thing.
0: Oh, so, so with some basic planning in Texas, it's pretty easy. It sounds like to avoid probate. So let's assume, though, obviously, at least half the people don't do anything at all yeah. um, and discover there's a problem. So in those cases, um, uh, on a standard case, um, the, spe- the uh, uh, kids pass and have a will, they just do an affidavit and it doesn't have to go through court confirmation or a full probate process. They can just transfer title right away.
1: Typically, when there's a will, you, you do still go through probate. But again, it, it really depends on what kind of assets are in place, what kind of debt there is, we have something that's also called a of title in Texas, and that's essentially, it's a, a, a way more quicker um, and more cost-effective probate process. So you're still going through the court, but basically a of title is when there is a will and there's only a, a property that really needs to be transferred title to, there's no, again, there's no other assets that need to be accessed. Um, you can't, um, you have to confirm that the decedent didn't have any Medicaid didn't receive Medicaid benefits because they could have a claim against the estate. Um, So they would sign a, you know, an affidavit, swearing that there was no Medicaid, um, no debts. And then it basically is a small court proceeding that allows them to transfer the property without opening a a full administration. So that's usually what I would recommend to someone who has a will. There's really only a house, nothing else, and that's going to be a more cost effective option
0: kind of okay hey let's take a quick break here just for everybody on the call this is meant to be participative I do these calls because i'd like to talk to and learn from experts in the business i'm glad to have that appreciate having lena here but it's also for you guys so if you want to ask a question feel free uh you can hit the uh, raise the hand on the zoom application or put a question in the chat box starting with the letter q is best um you can't unmute yourself that just gets a little iffy because there's background noise i might you know cut you off thinking that you're a troublemaker, but I'd love to have you participate. And and what I know is the more you participate, the more value you get out of this. Um, and I also know that uh, cameras on and being able to participate will help you get the most value, the most learning. Um, we do have a large crowd today. I think we have, we have 75 on and still people coming in. So feel free, we'll do we'll do an occasional shot of the whole camera just to get everybody on. Everybody who's on the camera, uh, wave your hand, say hi. There you go. So we'll do a little, a little family, a little, uh, group stuff great so feel free to jump in if you have questions If you're watching this live on the live stream on YouTube or Facebook feel free to put questions in the chat box and I our comments and I'm monitoring those as we do this call and if we don't get to afterwards I'll definitely get back to you I saw one hand up uh, was that Vincent and then he popped away you there still Vincent hi Bill hey what's up
1: yeah I have a question so um the question you know from real estate uh, standpoint I mean how do people invest in uh, probate
0: Great question. So let me bring you in here. Oops, uh, did that wrong. Add spotlight, add spotlight. Hold on just one second here. So Lena, how often do you get involved in dealing with um, in probate with investors uh, or uh, the sale of property? How often is that part of the process that you're involved with? Uh,
1: Sometimes I mean, I mean, Not not too often, to be honest with you. Um, But I mean, it does happen. I do get a lot of emails or people reach out to me trying to see, you know, if, um, you know, trying to get inquire about the property, but it's it's not as often a lot of times the the heirs are going to be keeping the property. That's what I've seen, you know, or just sell it real quick. I mean, it doesn't happen too often, but it does happen. Hmm.
0: And so I know there's it seems like there's two styles of attorneys in probate, as far as real estate, some the, the the real estate is brought to them by an investor or a real estate agent. Other ones work with the when I say the retail side, they work with petitioners, and they happen to have real estate or don't have real estate. So it sounds like you your most of your business is more from petitioners and family side rather than having uh, investors or realtors bring you these transactions. Yeah,
1: I, we we sometimes get them, but for the most part, I mean, we do work with um, you know a few real estate agents, one that specializes actually in probate, I mean, that's her, she advertised that she specialized in probate real estate right. and stuff. Right. But, um, but yeah, I mean, and so far it hasn't been um, too much yet where investors were involved.
0: Right, and again, I think I think just to answer Vince's question, I think it really is more their business model is more reaching out to the market, to the community, and to consumers versus and the purpose of this phone call is to educate real estate agents, investors, and wholesalers to look for these deals when you discover there's a problem with the title, that's probably a probate solution, and then you can bring it to an attorney. And Lena and her um, fellow attorney at the firm, um, the Bowen Law Firm, Bo uh, can help unwind the problem. So, if you, uh, Vince, are you a real estate agent or an investor?
1: I'm an investor.
0: And where do you do business?
1: I just started, so it's still learning.
0: What state do you live in? Or uh, in California got it so yes. she's in Texas and the, the reason why we do these calls is also to um uh you know the principles are the same I think we and we're going to talk a little bit about her business as well and so um while in her case she's not necessarily working directly with realtors or investors though I'm sure she would love any real estate oh, yeah. agents who have clients who are in probate to bring them lead and she'll make sure you get the real estate or at least you know support your business that way that's not her focus there are other attorneys who that is their focus i'm trying to make it her focus by exposing it to you guys and hopefully you'll
1: yeah And that's why we're to- here. <laughs>
0: exactly that's why she's here and why Bo is here previously because they really they recognize the opportunity and i think i appreciate the opportunity of working with us as investors and realtors so good question vincent i would say uh, in her case we also want to learn though the process because it's not enough just to say oh my client needs to go to probate and dump it on lena's door and run away we want to be involved and learn how the process works to keep the relationship with our our, our prospect through the process, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, thank yeah. you.
0: Sure, thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah. Okay, so what do I want to talk a little bit about? Was kind of the business side. What do you do, uh, if anything? I, I mean, maybe business just comes at you, but what do you do? Any business development, and if you do, what kind of business development things do you do?
1: Um, we do a lot of, um, you know, we, we try and market by doing a lot of um, videos. We recently we did um, actually a presentation, and we we got with. Um, Edward Jones, and um, we got with a we got with some financial advisors, we got with um, a, a t- tax attorney and we kind of did like presentations, um, you know, open for the public provided food for them kind of explaining estate planning probate the process and then the others would get into like the financial planning. So we kind of tie in, you know, all different aspects so that people have a good, you know, an idea of what to expect and what they should do for their future. So. We do a lot of that, um, Bo likes to make a lot of commercials, which that's helped a lot. Um, just kind of getting out there and um, you know start networking. We've, we're starting to do that a lot more than we did in the past and I think it's helping.
0: Great. Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about the estate planning side. right? The, the probate is if you don't plan ahead, unfortunately, oftentimes you find yourself in probate court. Mm-hmm. Estate planning is thinking about, well, I don't want to end up there, but more importantly, I want to leave directions for how my life is handled if I'm incapacitated, God forbid, and or after I'm gone. So let's talk about that. Do you offer estate planning services? And what does that look like typically?
1: Yeah, we do. Um, usually, um, I always recommend getting the whole package. So our whole package is going to be your basic will, your um, your durable statutory power of attorney, your medical power of attorney, um, your basic HIPAA release, um, your appointment for disposition of remains—that's going to be where you, you know, decide if you want to be cremated or your burial instructions, whatever the case may be. And then um, we also do the appointment for a um, declaration of guardian in the event a guardianship is needed. And then we do the revocable trust on death deed, and that's what I explained a little bit earlier. That's a deed where you would transfer it um, to a beneficiary. You get it recorded; it has to be recorded before you die. So we typically do it right when they sign it. But it doesn't take effect until after they pass, and that's going to avoid the probate. Um, so that whole package we usually do, and um, and it's been really effective. People like it a lot.
0: Very nice. And if you've and so I'm curious, what does a probate? I'm sorry, what does an estate planning package look like typically, or the range? And how does that compare with the attorney's fees and the fees of probate if you don't have an estate plan?
1: You're talking about like a, the price range, what we what we charge typically? Yeah. Yes. So you're- the basic package and again that's uh, you know it it depends really because some people want to trust and of course trust is is very costly to get set up so that but your basic package of everything that i included um, is usually starts around 12 to 1500 for everything but then again like i said it depends on the client's needs how large their estate is what we're doing um, how many properties we're going to be doing the revocable transfer and death deeds for because, um, of course, there's filing fees charged for every deed that we do. So it, like I said, it just really depends.
0: Nice. Um, and then so how does that compare with if I don't do estate planning, I end up in probate court, I need to hire an attorney, there's filing fees and publication fees and such. What does that cost by comparison?
1: So, um, you know, you're going to pay for probate regardless of having a will or not having a will. But you know, having a will, you're you know, it's a lot more a lot more cost effective. Maybe between between four around four ish, four or five thousand. But ones without a will that that don't as, do estate planning, and we're in the situation like I said before, where we're trying to locate heirs, and have to even locate heirs in different countries, different states. Um, I currently am trying to subpoena the the army to see if there was records of child support because we're getting conflicting information that the decedent had children or not. So you're talking that's going to cost you. I mean, depend a lot more money. I mean, a lot more money.
0: Yeah. It seems to me just in general, you're talking four to five times as much if you don't oh, plan yeah. ahead as if you do plan ahead.
1: Way, way more. And like I said, and then, you know, you're, you're, you're talking that you don't get to decide who's going to get your stuff. And I have a lot of clients who specifically want to disinherit certain family members. And guess what? You can't do that if you don't have a will. So now, you know, someone who you might not want to get yourself longer
0: inherit, and that's unfortunate. Right. Let's talk about it for somebody who's not passing but incapacitated, because that happens, people are living longer and that becomes more of an issue. Do you see issues of competency coming up where people, you know, want to do something, but you know, family member says, Hey, they're not really competent to sell their house, or you know, the housekeepers or the the um caregivers taking advantage? Are you seeing more and more of those types of issues, or is that just a California thing?
1: You no, know, it's here too, and I see a lot of where the opposite of what you're saying actually the person's coming in. And the children is, are saying I want to get a power of attorney for my mom and, and give me a power of attorney so I go meet the mom and. She has no idea what's going on and I, and I turn them away like i'm not going to have her sign something where she doesn't understand and at right. that point. Um, you would have to go through a guardianship to you know because a power of attorney is not going to be valid if they're not competent to sign one. And that's, that brings another thing to the another good point for estate planning is, you know, we do provide the power of attorneys in place. So if you get it before they're incapacitated, it survives capacity. So that means once they're incapacitated, your power of attorney still is valid. However, oh. yeah, but if they come, if they try and come after they're incapacitated, guess what? You can't get it. And now you have to go through court and it's going to be a lot more expensive.
0: Right. You can't, this is summarize, you can't. Appoint somebody your attorney if you don't have the capacity to make those decisions on your own.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm, exactly.
0: In uh, Texas, if you have a power of attorney, does that um, terminate with the death of the party, or does it survive as well?
1: No, it terminates with the death. So then no. your executor, appointed in the will or administrator, if there's no will, would have to take care. And I have a lot of people come in and say, "Well, I'm power of attorney. They won't. The banks won't let me access. Exactly. Their well, they're 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 passed away. It just doesn't work anymore."
0: Yeah, I, I think everybody has to understand or, or, you know, if you've been involved with this, you have clients who call you and say two things. One is the banks uh, froze the account. Yeah, because they know somebody passed, they have a social security number and they immediately freeze all accounts with that person's social security number. And then second, but I have a power of attorney, but they're passed. So the power of attorney, yeah. you're the attorney for, for a person who passed, you're not an attorney for a person who's living anymore. So yeah. that's, for a lot of people, a very rude awakening.
1: A lot of people don't understand that um you know even spouses if you're not a joint account holder on the account i have spouses that say well that's my husband i was able to access that account before well it doesn't work the same way once they pass unfortunately
0: it's unfortunate and 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 i've seen cases where spouses more commonly women but doesn't have to be who for years the husband took care of all the finances and he has all the records and he had you know, his name on the like check account and you can't even get access to the account let alone to get the records uh, I had one where the um, and they I had one where they weren't even formally married, and uh, one party was incapacitated, mm-hmm. and they're trying to find an insurance package they bought for this purpose. They couldn't find the records. They knew they're paying the the premium, but they couldn't access the checking account because she wasn't a spouse and didn't have power of attorney on the account. So, um, a lot of these things we all everything works. Every nothing's a problem until it's a problem, and then it's a problem at that point. Okay. So okay. that's why we have attorneys and courts and all that stuff. Okay, let's talk got a couple questions questions in the chat box. Um, Mark Pedrosa says, if anybody's in Sacramento County, California, besides myself for free probate leads, go to www.carmichaeltimes.com. Well, how about that, uh, Mark? Thanks for pointing that out. Um, Patrick Smith says, I'm in Florida and I just finished Express Offers certification. Um, Express Offers is an eXp realty program that, that it's kind of like a platform for iBuyers so most real estate agents have a platform they can bring you know property to and probate it's not common property is in tough shape and so you can offer the family a cash offer so he's saying how can i best can best probate be used as a great stream of property owners to help and um so patrick's really asking um how often do families that say um stand to inherit a property that maybe is in really rough condition it may maybe beyond their ability to fix up and flip it to sell it a profit, they'd be wanting to take a cash offer. Is that a common occurrence in your place? And what do you do with clients who come to you in that circumstance?
1: Yeah. I mean, um, I actually have a couple pieces right now that we're thinking about that just because of, you know, there's, it's, it's going to cost them way too much money to try and fix it up. And it yeah. must, it's just more easier for them. I have an out of state client who wants to sell her mom's property and it's just it's absolutely in horrible condition. And I mean, yeah, so I mean that does happen. And you know, we do get some offers and we work with certain people, but again, it, it happens not as frequently with us right now, but I, I do have a couple that aren't like that.
0: Yeah, so I think it's a it's a somewhat regular occurrence. Of course, you know, a, a year or two ago, everybody was fixing up properties and selling them a profit because the houses went up 20% per year. Everybody looked like a genius fixing up houses and so they thought they made money by fixing it. They really made money by holding it, uh, no no talent of theirs. Now when the market's flat, or maybe in some markets even declining, holding the property vacant, carrying those expenses and investing money, you're probably not gonna get a return for your investment. And I tell most families, I'm glad to connect you with people who will for low cost fix it up, but you probably aren't gonna get a return for your investment unless you're doing it at scale. The investors I know, have three or four or five jobs at once and, and use that to keep their costs down. So a little different. Um, okay, so Joyce asked a question of a client whose husband passed away and he had a will. Do you still have to go to court? He had kids, but left everything to my client in the will, I presume. She wants to sell a property. Do we still need to go to court? So Joyce, it's important, what, what state is your client in? Georgia. Georgia, so Lena practices law in Texas I would say in California, I'm not an attorney, but in California, a will does not avoid probate court. In order to change the title, you go to probate court, and there's two lines. Think of it that way: there's the line with wills and without wills, but the will is effectuated in probate court in California, and so you really can't avoid it. So, Lena, here are your case where the husband passed away and had a will, and he wanted to. Uh, he had kids. I presume it means the wife passed away as well, uh, but he left yeah. everything to some third. No,
1: the wife is no. The wife is still living. That's my client.
0: Oh, so he he left everything.
1: Everything to uh, my client. To his wife. Yes.
0: Is that his only wife? Yes. I mean, to me, it sounds like community property, most likely. And normally, things would go to her in California. You would go to probate court and file a petition and transfer it. And what's, what happens in Texas? Husband, wife, husband passes wife's alive. Uh, they have kids. He has a will everything goes to the wife so i imagine you go to probate court to make that
1: happen yeah correct you would go to the probate court well it's depending on what kind of assets do they have i mean um because like i said earlier there's different types of administrations you can do you know something that's smaller the minimum of title if we're just transferring the house but if there's bank accounts that she needs to access um you can't do that without a will without going through the court system and getting what's called a letter testamentary so yeah, most likely if that's what she needs to do to access bank accounts, uh, close certain accounts, sell the house, or transfer the title to the home, she's going to have to go to probate court. At least here in Texas. I don't know about Georgia. Okay, I think that's what's going to happen, happen to you in Georgia. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Right. You might, you know, uh, I'm sorry. You might ask a Georgia attorney. And I think Joyce, are you a real estate agent or investor? What do you do?
1: I'm an agent, real estate agent.
0: Yeah, what a nice question to ask a local attorney as and try to create a relationship and then bring that relationship to your client to say, I was just having coffee with or just talking to so-and-so and and as attorney, they advised me that this is probably what you have to do and give them a call and make that introduction. And so there's your chance to do that with a local attorney. And if you don't have an attorney, I know I have a partner on my team in Athens and I know he knows and she's in, in Athens,
1: this. as a matter of fact.
0: <laughs> so be glad to make a connection with you there. Uh, I'm not sure that's convenient for you to list. or you looking for somebody to refer to? But more importantly, I think he would have attorneys that would be appropriate for you to talk to, and then make that introduction.
1: Okay. And you said Athens. Do you have a referral?
0: I do. My partner Paul Cook is in um, Athens, Georgia. Uh, he's he's uh, with me at EXP Realty. And let me put his in, are you on the desktop? Can I give, put it in the chat box for you? Would that work? Yes,
1: please. Thank okay. you.
0: Give me the board. Paul's a great guy and, and um, he, he has a book on probate and, and works with attorneys, a former pastor and just a really great guy. So I, I'm confident you'll be happy with him.
1: So do you, do you know if, I mean, she started the process already. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm, she's thinking that maybe she can handle it herself or would you recommend <laughs> an attorney or tell me? You know.
0: Uh, so, Lena, this is a good question. I know I have my opinion on this, Lena. So, how often do you get people start their own and get stuck in the mud?
1: Yeah, a lot. Um, I wouldn't recommend it. So, at least in Texas, and again, I can't speak for Georgia, but um, there's there's requirements that the state makes you do, or um, they can remove you as the executor. So, there are certain things that you have to do after appointed. For example, um, you have to send a notice to creditors within 30 days. And there's a specific um, platform that you have to do it on. It's called the Daily Court Review in Texas, where it alerts creditors that the state's been probated. Um, You have to do you have to notice um, uh, the beneficiaries within 60 days. So there's certain requirements. And if you don't meet that, then the court can remove your status as executor. And and, yeah, there could be a lot of problems.
0: I I can say the same thing in California that you know most people just don't have the detail that it takes to get through the process that's why an attorney and i'll say this and i know it's somewhat controversial but i used to go to court every day in in los angeles and i watch you know uh corporate scenes for two or three hours a day and i would say that um fact 90 percent of probate cases in LA county were handled by an attorney who did one probate case in the last 12 months or less number one number so that's a fact and number two i would say most attorneys would agree with me, about 80% of the attorneys, I'm sorry, 80% of the cases are handled by attorneys who don't really know what they're doing. And it's evidenced by when they go into court and don't know about the systems and the procedures. And it's funny, they'll argue with the judge as to why they need to notice them or not. And like, the judge is, watch my cousin Vinny. you don't argue with the judge. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Uh, and then, uh, you know, ask if you can be, talk to them. But, um, and, and I would watch it happen that they'd make a, a classic mistake and then argue with the judge about where they had to. Or not. In Texas, does that go over big with the judges? Do they like being argued with?
1: No, not at all. They can can hold you in contempt too if you're
0: not,
1: if if you're not complying with court procedures and court rules. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I would would definitely say that definitely people should get, you know, legal help, even if it's just a consult on where she is and some suggestions. I think their attorneys can do that and charge for for a couple hours, but I think it's definitely worth it. And my guess is if you know about it, it means there's, my experience is it means they're stuck in the mud and you can kind of help them uh, get going again. So um, that's the value. That's why I do this call. And I don't do it in Georgia, but I'm trying to create a national network where I have team members in key states as well as friends in key states to refer these things to. Because I think rather than let people, let your customers suffer by not knowing, let's get together uh, with each other's agents and each other's attorneys and and help our customers get through this.
1: Okay. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it.
0: So, Lena, going back to business development, great question from uh, Cassandra. She's a notary in Hampton Roads, Virginia. Hey, uh, Cassandra, welcome to a call. And she provides estate planning notarizations so presumably um, your firm does estate planning documents and then you need customers to notarize certain pieces of that. Do you have any tips on the best way to market her service to attorneys I guess for those of us who are real estate agents, you know listen closely it's some of the same principles, how should a notary, if you had a friend who is. In the notary business or somebody's daughter's in the notary business or son, uh, how would you recommend them to market themselves to attorneys like you to generate business.
1: I mean really just kind of. I mean, just reach out. I mean, to be honest with you, we don't really do that. We have three or four in-house notaries that so we usually um, and personally we get um, our law clerks, paralegals, we get them, you know, to get their notary license and stuff. So um, I'm not sure how others do it, but for the most part, I know a lot of law firms do have their you know, (coughs) staff as notaries as well. But um, but yeah, I mean, there are some a lot of solo You know solo practitioners that because obviously it's bad practice you're not gonna you shouldn't as an attorney at least i don't i won't notarize for one i'm not a notary and two i would never recommend notarizing the documents that i'm drafting so for solo practitioners that might be something they would be wanting is to have a notary that you know is available for them when they need it so i would just reach out to your local council and see um you know if if they're interested
0: i know personally i feel like that's my you know client facing experience i want them I want the experts to be good. As a real estate agent, um, and we, have, we have documents that need to be notarized by escrow. Um, sometimes the escrow handles it, but I like I like them to use my notary um, roster because I want somebody who I know. And if there's a problem, they'll call me and I can walk the client through the question right away. And they'll tell me when they're done with it so I can call the customer, and make sure they're still happy. So I would say the, the best practice that I'm aware of, because I just like Lena said, is you want to meet people, you want to network with them. Uh, you know, Bowen Law Firm is a pretty good sized firm. You probably want to look for individual practitioners that don't have the staff that are notarized in house. They need somebody to do it. They don't want to do it themselves. Probably can't do it themselves. And so that would probably be your best bet is to find those. And um, do you have, um, Lena? Do you guys have um, bar event like networking events and bar? Um, you know, a local Texas bar attorneys. Um, I say bar. I don't mean going to a bar and drinking beer. I mean I know you guys are doing that, in Texas. But I mean attorney groups. Um, are you getting bar organization, networking events, social events, educational events, are they open again?
1: We do, and actually a lot of times they are at bars. Um, There's an upcoming one uh, next, I think next Monday that I'm contemplating on going, but but yeah, we get that a lot for sure. It's a good, you know, it's a good tool to just network and meet new people. And, you know, we, even for me as an attorney, like, you know, we only practice, you know, we don't practice everything. We don't do criminal law, we don't do, um, you know, certain types of laws. So, you know, we get to meet other attorneys as well. So that might be something she might want to consider in uh, what state is she in, what state?
0: She's in Virginia.
1: In Virginia, yeah. To kind of yeah. look on the state bar website to see what's going on in the Facebook group. At least in Texas, we have Facebook groups, they post on the website and all that when there's yeah. networking events and stuff.
0: And then you have local bar too, like there was, a, is there a Houston area bar that you're involved with or is it just state events?
1: It's usually just like the state, state events, yeah.
0: Got it, okay, good. Um, so joyce i can refer you to a great attorney for future probate work in atlanta there you go jen can offer some help there as well and do i have a, a contact in florida you know patrick i had a contact in florida uh, and he didn't quite work out and uh, maybe you're maybe you're the contact in florida so let's let's talk about that um and yeah and i think that cassandra makes a point as far as a notary she does it in the evenings and then i think what the notaries i use are typically available in evenings and weekends because that's when when the in-house notaries may not want to do the jobs and so like anything else you take the you hustle and take the business of so the people don't want to do and you'll work your way into being the person that people want to work with so great um okay I think I caught up with everything on the chat box I don't see anything or on the online stream. anybody else have any questions raise your hand put a question in the chat box and um uh yeah Patrick can go in chat uh, and, and Patrick Smith you and I can also go back onto exp um, workplace and chat a little bit more um, okay, so let's see. Jim tells us that his dad's cousin played in the Buffalo Bills. I think you might want to know this, Lena. Uh, Eddie Rakowski. Uh, he played with uh, Bob Dole's roommate, Jack Kemp. I met Jack Kemp, actually. Um, and I think, uh, where did Jack Kemp go to college? I'm trying to remember. Um, he was a college football player as well. And he went to become the, the Erie County Executive. Okay, so there you go. You Buffalo <laughs> Bills fans, like you just mentioned the Bills and they crawl out of from under of rocks, it looks like.
1: Oh yeah, we're diehard fans. I mean it works yeah, it's crazy.
0: <laughs> so if I was a real estate agent and I don't want is every real estate agent in Houston who sees us to call Lena tomorrow and invite her out to lunch or drinks or whatever because she's nice enough to share with us. But you know, if you had a if you had a friend who's a real estate agent, let's say in another state and they wanted to build their real estate business by focusing in probate, they took the time to learn the rules, the laws, the procedures, that are gonna create value for a law firm. What would you recommend for them to Build their practice to working with attorneys where they can earn referrals obviously one answer is we'll bring business in refer and we try to talk about that what else besides that would you um recommend
1: really i mean kind of like i said before go to the networking events um you know schedule meetings that sort of thing i mean one of the probate specialists um, realtor that i just met recently that was just from honestly she went to our she saw us, or something along the lines where she saw us, went to our website, um, and then actually reached out to us and to see if we would be interested in meeting. And we said, "Yeah, absolutely." So honestly, it's it's really just uh, reaching out, maybe networking and, and stuff like that. Where I'm always open to, you know, network with others or meet others and discuss business with them. And um, and so is Bo. I mean, he does that. He does it way more than I do. Of course, he's owner of the firm, but we do it on a weekly basis.
0: Yeah. I would say hungry dogs hunt best. And so when you find somebody's marketing, that means they're out looking for business and they appreciate business you bring to them. So um, in general, my experience has been that almost any attorney, Now, this is more true of older attorneys and I'm always a little cautious as a man calling a female attorney because I want to cross any wires or, or give the wrong impression. But in general, that aside, my experience is almost any attorney that you call and invite to lunch, not to pound them for referrals or slit their throat with your business card, but to meet them or learn about something, most attorneys are open to that. Is that common for you as well?
1: Correct, very common. Like I said, um, we between Bo and I, we probably on a weekly basis we're meeting with individuals who want to reach out to discuss business, and it's it's always you know go, discussing it over lunch. Right. And, you know, we kind kind of breaks the ice a little bit. We get to know each other, and then we start discussing business and see how we can help each other. Really. Yeah.
0: We still can't quite do that in Los Angeles, because we're a little more COVID, whatever, whatever all that is about. So if I was a call to attorney for lunch today, I think they think I'm crazy unless they knew their politics and it was okay. And I just okay. want to get into all that. Yeah, in, in LA still, uh, the, um, uh, a lot of the restaurants just aren't, aren't up to speed. And, and no, it's just not, it's not like it used to be. It used to be covid you know everybody i had my, my favorite restaurant for business they were very business oriented and i would you know make five appointments a week three or four would show up and it was a classic business lunch today you just really can't there's there are people who will but as a general rule uh, you'll get some push you'd be a little careful and attorneys i think i don't know what it is about it specifically but where i live attorneys are more <laughs> because they skew older um maybe they skew a little more to the left than the right i don't really know that but i'm just saying i wouldn't invite a, an attorney in beverly hills Los Angeles, out to lunch let's say knew they're going out to business lunches ahead of time just um because i think they would it'd reflect poorly on me i think they'd feel that I'm being less responsible just for what that's for. and i think also well, you tell me uh it, may be more in la i think everybody got very comfortable on zooms and being in their office on phone calls and like nobody wants to go out to stuff it's a different vibe is that are things back to normal in Texas or in Houston area, or are you still somewhat kind of semi-lockdown mode?
1: No, it's, it's very much back to normal. Um, however, you know, when it comes to the courts and stuff and hearings, it is very there nice. You. We do prefer to still remain on Zoom. I mean, for one, we're saving the client a lot of money because just to get to the courthouse alone, you know, for us is good 30 minutes plus, you know, having to park and all that. So it definitely makes it easier in Harris County. That's primarily where I, um, where I practice, I mean, I, I'm in other counties as well. But Harris County is still um, all about Zoom. So I yeah. rarely have to leave, but there are other counties in Texas like Montgomery County or Waller County that they're back in person, Yeah, which is fine. but. Like I said, with with the the court stuff it's it's still done being Zoom, but everything else like social activities and stuff, nobody everybody goes out. Nobody even thinks about covid anymore.
0: Yeah, no, I was in Dallas 2 weeks ago and it was like, you know, like before, right? It was it was yeah. just normal, it's normal. But totally normal. 100% normal.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um but that event couldn't happen in Los Angeles. There's no Do way
1: You guys else. still wear masks and stuff? Do you go out? No.
0: No, um, people do. Some people do. Um, I mean, it's again, we don't have like I was in a convention where we had 5,000 people in the room, and maybe in, in Dallas, and we had maybe 10 or 20 people wearing masks. We don't have convention events in LA with 5,000 people. They just don't allow it. It's just uh, okay. they allow the football games we had at SoFi Stadium. Nobody wears masks or basketball and such, but business meetings, you just don't see those conventions like you would see. Uh, in the past, so I know we had there was an event at LA Convention Center last week. I'm not sure how well attended it was, but my sense is it's it's still just different here in LA. And uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it, I don't know if it's ever going to change or go back. I, I it's really interesting, but uh, again, not trying to get into the politics, but I do think you have to be sensitive to making a good impression. And and whether mm-hmm. people are right or wrong, I don't want to offend them, and I don't want them to think I'm you know offensive. So it's important that we try to understand where people are and and, and meet them at the right spot. Okay, uh, real quick, uh, selfless promotion here, just a couple things I wanna throw in real quick. Um, I have a program we're launching, uh, we launched actually, uh, getprobate.cash, and that's to teach how to use um, the probate, in advance of um, proceeds from a probate, their companies will advance clients' money for attorney's fees, expenses, mortgage payments, taxes, and such. It's a way for you to generate and build your business if you're a realtor investors. investor. So on Wednesday at 8.30 a.m. Pacific, if you're interested in signing up for it or more information, go to getprobate.cash, not getprobate.com, but getprobate.cash. And I do a 30-minute presentation, and then those who are interested, I'm organizing a mastermind on that topic to go real deep so we can teach our attorneys, teach our investors, and teach um, petitioners how they can use this money to their benefit, not to rip them off, but to use it for their benefit. So love to have you join there. And I'll put those details in the chat box. And then, additionally, we have a pro- we have a free Facebook group. If you're interested, great place to ask questions. If you have leads, uh, and I know Bo's in there all the time. I think maybe you as well, Lena. Um, in Facebook, there's a group called Probate Experts. I put the link in the chat box. Free to join. We have 1,400 members. I see nationwide, but we also have had people from the UK go in there. Attorneys in the UK. I think they call them barristers, or there's another word they use. Um, well so uh but anyhow people go in and have questions about how do i you know get this property in my name how do i sell it great place to participate love to have you go there and again that's free and no cost okay so um look i I, Lena i really enjoyed talking to you so i could talk for hours anybody else has questions jump in ask questions and raise your hand so what do you um what do you say to attorneys who i mean i know you guys you know as a as a firm You do basically probate related stuff right you do some family law you do personal injury and you do a state law and and how many how many members are in your firm
1: so for attorneys we have there's uh one two three four five attorneys five attorneys and then we have you know paralegals uh law clerks stuff like that
0: and what always concerns me is when somebody says oh i'm in probate and and ask who the attorney is i go online and and that attorney has the same website as you: family law, personal injury, uh, state uh, state law, a DUI, criminal law, bankruptcy law. Think, like, well, how can anybody do all this stuff? What do you What do you recommend to young attorneys who are starting out? Um, it sounds like you're in a fairly narrow niche, and it's related pieces. Um, was that by choice? Did somebody give you that advice? And what advice do you give young attorneys starting out, um, as far as where they should specialize, or or should they specialize? I mean, really, it's,
1: it's- I would say start with what you're interested in, but don't just end it there because you might find that you're better in something else. Like I said before, I initially wanted to do immigration, before that I went to criminal law and um, I landed a job with the Bowen Law Firm and I kind of, and, and bill I actually don't just do probate and estate planning I do guardianship I do civil litigation I do contracts, um, I do a lot of different things so. Uh, and I like it I like being well versed I like being able to not just focus in one area of law, I like to do a lot of different things, so I would just say to other younger attorneys. Um, don't you know don't just put all your eggs in one basket just I would venture out and explore different things because it's really nice to be well versed in different areas.
0: That said, how important is it for you to have a couple of colleagues around to help you as opposed to being a sole practitioner in those cases when you get outside let's say what you're most comfortable with is it help you to have other attorneys there is that important.
1: It is um, because a lot of times. You know I every day, even though I've been doing probate for a long time, um, every day I come across a new obstacle of something that i've never experienced before so. We kind of you know we kind of discuss it together we brainstorm together and uh, it's really helpful for me to have that there and have that. available for me, rather than like you know just trying to you know I still figure it out on my own, but at the same time you're having other attorneys to kind of feed off of to, to give you ideas to brainstorm and I personally like that
0: you know i gave a presentation a a quick pitch on a program i'm doing on uh, advanced inheritances or or probate advances mislabeled probate loans or not loans do you come across um those that product is that something you get involved with
1: no and i and i would like to hear more about that just because the fact that i you know i do have a lot of clients who you know are have hardships and they can't pay for it and you know there's a lot of money coming into it once they probate the estate but obviously until right. that time comes, they have to front it themselves. So um, I actually just was talking to Bo about um, trying to, you know, venture out into getting more information on that for those clients.
0: <laughs> I gotta tell you, uh, this is an area that I really um, I'm seeking to really become an expert in. Um, I've, I've tried to identify every company in the country that does it. Interesting, how many are not in the business? You, know, you find them, they did a couple, they're no longer there. Who the major players are, what the rules are. Um, but I've been doing it. I've been doing about three or four of those a year where a client comes to me and they can't get an attorney because, you know, they don't have the money for the fees or the expenses and the attorneys sometimes. There are attorneys who will take it all in contingency. In California, there's a, there's a statutory limit that's pretty high. And so they'll charge them more at the end. And there's a way that they can advance the fees and, and shop and get a better and more appropriate attorney, maybe Geographically appropriate, Spanish speaking if necessary, whatever they need, uh, or add some additional cash, maybe for move-out money, maybe lock the house down, put a fence up, um, uh, pay taxes, pay mortgage payments So, I'd love to talk to you, bo about that. This is something I'm looking to build, and I'd love to find somebody uh, in the Houston area to work with me on that. I'm really, I'm running this probate ca- get probate program to kind of sign up a group of affiliates in the different markets we work with, and. Bring that service to the attorneys we work with as well. So love talking to you guys about that if you're interested.
1: Yeah, we would love that because um, you know we're we're a decent sized firm, but not large enough to be able to do like you know contingencies, unfortunately. So yeah, something like that is something we would be really interested in because I hate to turn clients away just because they don't have the funds, you know, outright to to move forward. So yeah,
0: and you don't have to really. You can you can uh, have an intake form, and usually we'll get an answer back within um, 24 hours. We can say yes oh, wow. or no. Especially if, you know, we know who the attorney is, if it's gonna be you guys, because we advance, that the, we like to advance the money to the law firm, to, not to the individual to cover the legal fees and the money. And then sometimes we'll give the customer an additional amount. So common, the most common number in California is about $10,000. Okay. And Maybe 5,000 will go to the firm and maybe 5,000 to the customer. to They have expenses, mortgage payment, taxes. They just okay. want some money in advance and, and such. So yeah, I'd love talking about that. Yeah, sure okay so let's see um and the question is is it a podcast or zoom it's a live zoom like this i do record it and put it on my youtube channel so if you guys are interested on wednesday 8 30 a.m um get cash. question california is in the few states where attorneys make a commission on the sale of the state's assets does it do better if the state assets sell for more? can you confirm so jim that's not true actually it the attorney's um uh fees are based on they're capped, the statutory limit is on, um, there's a percentage that works up to about $23,000 on a million dollar estate based on assets and the assets are not uh, net, but gross. So if you have a million dollar house with a $800,000 mortgage, it's a million dollars in assets. The attorneys cannot charge more than, in that case, $23,000, but you can negotiate less and a lot of trees don't like to say that but that is the reality it's a competitive business like most are and oftentimes can be a lot less Lena, how does the commission or the legal fee work in texas is it capped based on the assets and how is it determined
1: so we don't really i'm not too sure when it comes to the estate stuff i know for contingency it's typically the norm is like 33 percent here um sometimes a little bit more but um for for estates and stuff to be honest with you we, we don't do that so i'm not i'm not 100 sure
0: on a probate though is there a standard is there fee set by the state or you can charge whatever you want
1: yeah i mean so it depends so for an independent administration yeah i mean you can charge whatever you want because the client is, is the executor is accepting to it and independently um you know the court doesn't get involved but actually for a dependent administration there is and that's i think you guys call it limited authority or something and uh-huh. uh, but for a dependent administration, yeah, they actually only allow you to charge. Um, they don't allow you to charge for like administration expense, like administration fees, like that's you know, regular like um, you know, emails, that kind of stuff. So there's certain things they let you the, the court allows you to charge for and there's certain things they don't. And honestly, it's they have a whole spreadsheet on the the court website of what they do and what they don't allow you to charge for. So we try to avoid those ones because. Those are the ones where um, they really do get involved when it comes to the fees and stuff.
0: Yeah, and to Jim's question, I would say that my experience with attorneys is, the reason why they want to sell the house for more is not that they make more attorney's fees, though I think at the end they they can, depending on how they negotiate their cap to a certain number, oftentimes they agree to a fixed amount. So more commonly, I find attorneys will say, they'll charge, say, $10,000 for the estate, and then there's, there's only additional charges if there's something extraordinary. But the attorneys, I think, like to get the property sold, love to get the money into their account uh, so that everybody gets paid because when the money, when the assets not sold, there's nothing good. Here's a rule in real estate. There's nothing good that happens from the day you list the property until the day it sells. Everything else is bad. And I remember, even when the market was red hot, uh, one day COVID happened and I had 28 pending escrows that all had to cancel because the court shut down. So there's nothing good that happens just because you don't see the bad thing coming doesn't mean that it's not. So um, yeah, and so uh, Jim says he thinks it's California and Hawaii that allow attorneys to do better if the state does better. I don't think that's quite that way, but again, it's negotiable. And in California, it's capped. So it might be the percentage based on the assets, but most attorneys I find, most customers end up agreeing to a schedule of fees that's less than the caps, but that's not always the case. Okay, I think we're coming up on our hour, and Lena, I know I don't want to get charged for an extra hour with you, it's very expensive to have <laughs> you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're very generous with your time, Lena. I really appreciate so much you being here, and more than that, I think just your attitude of sharing. So thank you for you and, and Bowen, all you guys do, and thanks for participating in our Facebook group as well.
1: Of course, thanks for having me, I appreciate it.
0: And if we get a hold of her, uh, Lena Savira is available at the Bowen Law Firm, and the website is BowenLF, as in Bowen Law Firm, BowenLF.com. And they're also on a probate um, group in Facebook, so you feel free to ask questions there if they're and I always say when you ask questions make sure you put what state it is and even better state and city or county. To get uh, the right uh, answer, but I find them answering questions all the time and oftentimes i'll say well. i'm an attorney but here's what I know and they're an attorney that they can answer the question any way they, they feel fit, so um, thank you for being on there and then um uh, get probate.cash the program next Wednesday. I'd love to have you participate in that if you're interested as well. If you're watching this on the live stream on YouTube or Facebook, please like or subscribe if you want to see more. And then for those of you watching it on the social media, we do a live Zoom. If you're able to come in live and ask questions to register for the Zoom, just go to probateweekly.com. You can sign up, you'll get reminders as well as automatically we'll send you a copy of the recording when we're done. So again, Lena, thank you on behalf of everybody. I really appreciate having you.
1: Thank you so much, Bill.
0: And say hi to both for me. I will, I will. Okay, fantastic. Hey, guys, thank you so much for being on the call today. I really appreciate your help. Randy, I know I was looking for you. I don't think you're on the call, but you talked to me ahead of time. No, you're not. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you guys. If you have any questions, call.